Welcome to Conspiracy of Light, a podcast about Babylon 5 and our connection to this amazing story. I'm your host, Woody Harris, and with me, as always, is the wonderful and amazing Josue Cardona. Thank you, Woody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Here we are. We're, we're, uh, we've just watched uh, the episode, the first episode, the episode zero for Babylon 5 itself, which is called The Gathering. And uh, I, I'm excited to, uh, to get us having a discussion about the technology and the characters and the way that the show... I know how it impacts me. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to find out how it impacted you. Um, so, so real quick, uh, we can just kind of give a synopsis of the story. This is, it's called The Gathering because basically we are gathering all of the races together on Babylon 5 this space station that's set in neutral territory. The, all the, the basic races are coming together. The Narn regime, the Centauri Republic, uh, the Membari, the Earth Force, and the Vorlons. These are the five major alien races that are involved in Babylon 5. But of course, as you walk around, you get almost like a Moss Eisley spaceport sort of feel. There's hundreds of races of species that are on this this amazing uh, space station. And so it's this coming together point where everybody's getting together and intermingling. I mean, it's almost, it's almost a good metaphor for America. It's intermingling of all these cultures and what happens when you intermingle all those cultures. So the show basically starts with um, getting to know these characters and as we move through, we get to a point where the, the, main th- the, the main thrust of the episode is put into play, which is that the Vorlon ambassador, Kosh, is supposed to arrive at the station. When he does finally arrive, uh, in the few moments before he even gets a chance to meet with the diplomatic party that's waiting for him on the other side of the environmental area... Um, He's killed. He's poisoned. We learn later on that he's poisoned. And he's poisoned by a faction of Membari that do not want to see this thing succeed for whatever reason. So we're already putting front and center the the differences in the races that are in the species races. How do I put this? The differences in the species that are that are happening, the difference in philosophy, the difference in the way that they view the world, we're all coming together in this space, and so how can we build a bridge to one another? Yeah, that's definitely the setup for the episode, and I think one of the biggest um, things that becomes obvious at the beginning is that there is there's a lot of history here between all of these different races, and just in again i mean it's it's an hour and a half long episode but yeah. but like by the first third i've already heard everybody talk about the relationships and and in broad terms and past wars and how this is babylon is an experiment right where where it's it's a neutral zone we're trying to keep the peace and but everybody's talking about these past wars and all these different and all the problems and how this race enslaved another one you know 100 years prior and there's there's so much, just again, so much history that um, uh, like this is this is the the exposition episode. There's just so much of it. Everybody's just talking about their relationships to one another, and again, in grand, in the grand scheme of things, it's they're talking about their race in relationship to another one, not just their personal relationship with someone else in the room. And that that hooked me immediately because I don't know. I don't know anything about these people, but I know that they have very rich histories already. And then bringing the Vorlon in, um, it's like you can tell that people don't really know who they are. Like it's it's new for them also, and it's new for us. Uh, most of these people have never seen a Vorlon before. And when I saw him, I was like, what is that? That's so different than anything we've already seen on the show. And and it was it was interesting to to then share that with the 
with the members of the uh, with the with the crew, you know, or the mm-hmm. people on the ship, um, with the other ambassadors. Like everybody, some people obviously know more than others, right? Like the Minbari seem to know a little bit more, and and they want to share that information with Earth, but the earth people like they don't know they don't know anything about about the vorland and all that stuff like got me really excited because i wanted to like you know that part where they they open up the the vorland and like mm-hmm. it's just like and a the white light, light. for yeah yeah it's a, again there's there's all this mystery um that's set up in this first episode that's there's history that th- those are the two words that i that i came that, that i put in my notes r- repeatedly was mystery and and history because there's so much that went on, but there's so much that we don't know still. And they've set it up in a way that I'm, I, I really want to know. I want to fill in those gaps. Remember that the opening, um, we're not going to talk about the, 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 first, the initial episode of the season, but the opening for both um, speaks in the past tense. Yes, I was gonna. It yeah. was the dawning of the third age of mankind. The Babylon Project was a dream given form. So we're already and, in the midst of a, a story that's set in our past as members of the Babylon 5 universe. Londo, as a narrator, he says this is the story of the last Babylon station. And the way, the way I interpreted that is not like the most recent. It was like it was the, the final one. There wasn't one after that. That's my, right. that's my interpretation of it. Yeah. That alone, I mean, that was, that was in the introduction. <laughs> that alone sets it up. I'm like, oh. Okay, and then later on in the episode, someone asks, why was there, what happened to, why is this called Babylon 5? And the response that Sinclair gave was really surprising to me, because I thought he was going to talk about why it's called Babylon, Mm -hmm. but instead he said, oh no, we're Babylon 5, because Babylon 1 through 3 were, I don't know, destroyed, I think? They were destroyed, I think. Yeah, and he doesn't say why. without a trace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, and he he doesn't elaborate more on that. I'm like, wait, what? I mean, now, I mean, after I finished the episode, uh, I'm I'm guessing that the first three were destroyed, like, um, by either terrorists or, you know, some sort of faction that, like, didn't want this peacekeeping center to exist. But we don't know that. He just put that out there, and then that was it. And so, so not only are like, there's a mystery with the first four, but then why is this the the fifth one? And why are we referring why to Why are it we as, building a fifth one in the first place? Yeah. This thing has failed four times. <laughs> well, that, that's not what I thought. What I thought was like, well, why, why is this the last one? Is it successful in, in accomplishing its mission or is it a failure? Is it, or, or are we not that further like is is the the Lando that's talking to us at the beginning? Is he is he pre Babylon six? Like or, or I don't know. I don't know. Again, more mystery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says this is its story, talking about Babylon five in particular. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a uh, it's a wonderful beginning because mystery, as you say, is at every corner we're given some kind of mystery to engage with. Uh, so that's the first thing I want to get into talking about before we get into characters, because characters really drive the show and I don't want to miss that, but I also want to talk about the tech in general, Hmm. um, because the, the Babylon station itself is an O'Neill cylinder. You know what that is? Um, I didn't understand what you said. It's an O'Neill cylinder. Mm, Okay. Do you see the, the things we see in movies where you can have a artificial gravity? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. It's actually uh, like a proposal that was made to NASA at some point for a space station that will develop its own gravity. Mm. And uh, even Sinclair talks about it early on. He says, you know, the station is made so that some areas spin faster than others to create different gravities for different alien races. Yeah. Um, Which is fascinating in and of itself. But I'm wondering what it's like to live in that space where, you know, there's... The, the neat thing about an O'Neill cylinder is somewhere in the middle there is a space that is uh, buoyant space, basically. Like, you're between two gravities. Mm. And I'm wondering what it's like to live there in in this, you know, not only are we... It's, it's a world of its own, right? It's... it's uh, yeah. yeah. I forget how many million tons of, of metal it is, but it's, it's, it's just an amazing idea to be put in this place where all these different possibilities for alien cultures can exist at the same time. 
Yeah, one thing that I really appreciated was that scene where he's like, oh, we can cut through, like there's a shortcut, we can cut through the alien section. And I, I don't know if that's what he what he called it, but then they just put on this mask because the air is different in this particular section. And that was so cool to me to see, not only like see all these different alien species in that area, but just the fact that, listen, like we're, we're humans, like the, there's there's science, right? And this science fiction where mm-hmm. obviously other other species breathe different air than we do and we need to accommodate them also. But if we, but it's still part of the ship, so we can we can walk through there. We just need to you know put on like a breathing apparatus, and then we can we can go through, and it's it's cool. And then we can we can visit the aliens. It's so cool. Straczynski really prided himself on making sure that uh, at least for some aspect of it, the science was all solid in Babylon Five. There's certainly some things that were changed for the look of things, or things that were changed for the sound of things. But yeah, otherwise he tried to invoke a lot of scientific expertise in the show yeah um you know you're talking about the alien sector what do you think of the way that it looked when you're walking through so it surprised me that it looked like a zoo yeah right it, it but the way he talked about it seemed to he seemed to talk about it like they were they were accommodations like individual accommodations for different species but it looked like a zoo so like the visual didn't go with what he was explaining because those pe- th- those different species seemed they didn't seem uh as advanced you know so i don't think yeah. that they it didn't seem like the species that were in that room or in that hallway had bought a ticket or had a particular place to go if it felt more like um, people were putting them on display or maybe preserving them uh, for some reason. Because again, we, we, like we've mentioned there, there are other aliens on the ship and we see them walking around and talking and, but these, they didn't seem as advanced. Yeah. I think that, uh, so my wife and I were watching this. Um, we've watched it multiple times, but this is the first time I really paid attention to that particular moment. And, she, her first thought was, this looks like a zoo. Why, why does this look like a zoo? We're supposed to be all you know, egalitarian and uh, equal to each other kind of thing. Yeah. And my thought was, well, maybe we're just seeing, you know, they've just got a little conduit through the alien sector, and maybe what we're seeing is almost like they're sitting out on their porch or something, you know, whatever, whatever passes for an alien porch. And I, I looked this information up, and uh, that is exactly what Straczynski says. It's almost like they're sitting on their front porch. Oh, um, which <laughs> made cool. me really happy that I had kind of caught that. But uh, you know, it does deal with the question of how we deal with the other, because the other yeah. is all over Babylon Five. Babylon Five is about immersing ourselves in the other and trying to be with them, basically. Yeah, like now I feel bad that I said they're not as advanced. Maybe they're they're even more advanced than the humans are. They just they're just different. And uh, now I feel bad. Well, you know, <laughs> you, we say that dolphins and whales are are like one of the most intelligent species on the planet. But if we were to have to accommodate them in a place, um, it would look very much like a zoo to us mm-hmm. because we're yeah. in such different environments. My guess or my hope is that it would look like a zoo to them also. Yeah. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing Straczynski said about this was um, it's a very human expression to think about the concept of a zoo in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. I, I think that he was a little bit upset with the way it was presented, um, but he still maintains that that was, you know, this is a sector of aliens that live completely different than us. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That maybe they don't need, um, you know, 5,000 square feet. They're, they're good with their whatever it was that they had, you know? Yeah. 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 Plus, so there were different that? sizes, too. There were there were smaller aliens there. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's it's meant to represent all the different possibilities. What yeah. about the uh, the privacy invocation? How do you think about that? That was cool. The cone of silence uh-huh. that, uh, that, that, they, that they put there. That was pretty cool. That was cool. Um, I... I was I thinking like how that. much that would change therapy. Uh, <laughs> you just have yeah. therapy out in the park with your uh, with your portable privacy invocation. Yeah, white noise generator uh, is 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 no good compared to that. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was really cool um, because it seemed 
the way we see it, it's like at a bar or something or like a place where, you know, it's a social area. So when, when you invoke privacy, then it seems like you could project that anywhere. Or I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm assuming it was built into the table. That's what you it know? looked like to me too. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you just hit a button and then, oh, we've got a private space now. Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, I would, I would just love that for like, sometimes you go to a place and it's just loud. I would love to just like, no, I'm going to turn off all the sound around me. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's this place called the main event. I'd really like a cone of silence in the main event. Yeah. <laughs> um, I once, I once um, talked to someone who opened a bar in Chicago and they, they were really adamant about having the different areas um, not be overwhelming for sound because it was designed for gameplay for, for playing board games. Mm -hmm. And, but it was basically a restaurant and they designed, like they had sound engineers come in and make it in such a way that the sound didn't travel so far so that it was comfortable to have different things happening at the same time. But it was not nothing like this. (laughs) That's neat. I've got to check that out. But yeah, this is, uh, you know, in, in terms of tech, this is the ultimate piece of tech that would be, you know, I, I looked at my wife and we both said, we could really use that when we go on a date or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just like fighting, arguing at home. (laughs) You know, you're like, you know, nobody else needs to hear this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So so that the child can't hear what we have to say? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or the neighbors, anybody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How about jump gates? What do you think of those? Uh, That was cool. That was cool. Um I want to. I want to hear more about them. I want to. I want to know where they all are. <laughs> I want to know how many. Uh, I'm very. I'm very interested in that. But it's um, like like it's the, it's it's our introduction into the world. So we're seeing what kind of technology they have, right? And so we know that they're capable of hyperspace travel, and and jumping long distances. So that was that was good to know because it. I, I like that because it opens possibilities. Yeah, it fixes the problem of the fact that we are there is so much empty space in space. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And then we get to the the main piece of tech that really played a hand in the story, and that is the Changeling Net. Mm-hmm. Yep. This yep. Uh, this particular device allows someone to look just like anyone else. Yep. Yep. And and so our character Del Varner may not be what he appears to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um. It wasn't. It was like we've seen changelings in other in other series. We've seen shapeshifters and things like that. So it was cool to see that this world is, in in a way, that makes it feel more grounded. In a way, it's not, it's not like aliens couldn't do it, right? But they're explaining it with technology. It's a technology. Yeah. yeah, and I like that. I like that. Yeah. In fact, the whole story hinged on the fact that it was a technology because it took so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's why the power outage happened. Is that is that is that why? Is that what uh, was happening? Well, there's there's two things going on there. First, there is the uh, there's the bug ship that's that's in trying to infiltrate the the base, oh, and yeah. that may have caused some power outage. But then right. they turned the power out, or they they minimized the no. What they did was they filtered the power so they could only see a certain frequency of power use, and that was how they found the guy that was wearing the changeling net. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Whoever he was, you know, member of the Membari clan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some things that, that we sort of do have now. Uh, you know, there's like the wrist communicator, which is not much different than having an Apple Watch. Uh, there were the drone recorders, mm-hmm. which are pretty much, you know, we can do that at this point. But um, yeah, and that was interesting because it made me think of body cams, for example, now, right? Where we talk about it in the news. That was, yeah. Yeah. It was like, well, we're going to go do this thing. This is a practically like a, um, a security police enforcement operation. It's like, well, you know, let's make sure everything is recorded. It strikes me there's a lot of distrust in this universe because I'm thinking about that. They have these recorders, right? They have the cone of, of silence or whatever we want to call it, <laughs> this, this uh, privacy invocation device. Um, everybody is constantly saying they don't trust one another. And every device seems to be built based on not trusting one another. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, even the rings that Delenn uses, that's she's using them. They, they are offensive weapons, basically. You know, you are in two gravities, three gravities, four gravities. Yeah. 
there was uh, also when there was a moment where they were video conferencing essentially Sinclair was talking to I don't know I don't know who that other person is yet um was it uh someone from uh the senate yeah 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 kind of his superior basically yeah 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 and so they're talking about Garibaldi and Garibaldi mm-hmm. is there but like off to a corner yeah so that he can't see him <laughs> Again, this uh, this idea of privacy and and mistrust is uh, yeah, is interesting. Is I didn't pick so, up on that. Yeah, this was something that struck me about Sinclair. He surrounds himself with renegade kind of people. So Garibaldi, obviously, he says, you know, um, I know what they think of you, but I know what I think of you, and I know that you are who I trust. Um, but also Laurel Takashima, uh, who is uh, Lieutenant Commander Takashima. She's uh, one of the first faces we see. She's the kind of the the head of CNC there on Babylon 5, watching traffic come in and out and, and making sure communications are going back and forth between people. Yeah. Um, she talks to the doctor later on, and she says, I haven't broke the rules for a long time. Jeff had pulled me, Jeff Sinclair, the, the commander, had pulled me from a situation where um, I was making some bad decisions, and now I haven't made bad decisions in a while. So he, Jeff is surrounding himself with people who, for all intents and purposes, are rebels, they yeah. don't necessarily follow the rules. Look at the doctor. The doctor is not following the rules yeah. based on Sinclair's direction. Oh, and actually, now now that you mentioned that, that whole situation with the Vorlon, the the Vorlons, they, they don't want them to open the suit. They don't want them to touch him, basically. They prefer their privacy over the ambassador's life. Yeah. They They're very adamant about that. You know, it's like, no, you're not going like, to, we, we have our secrets and we intend to keep them. And that's more important to us than, than the life of one person. Hmm. Yeah. Dr. Kyle said, uh, I've seen aliens, but this alien is pretty alien. Yeah. 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 And then, then there's constantly secrecy going on. I mean, like if you look at uh, Jakar, who is our, our Narn representative on the, on the station, mm-hmm. Jakar is the master of secrets. He's constantly seems to be scheming and plotting and, and uh, you know, one minute he's yelling at Takashima and the next minute he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, you can certainly hold the ship off. It's not a problem. I, I like Jakar. I like him. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's, let's get into that a little bit. So Takashima, what was your impression of her? Um, Takashima, what was my impression of her? Uh, I don't know. She was, um, she was a badass. Let's put it that way. She was definitely a badass. Um, she, she was taking control of like the bridge. Um, I'm guessing, right? Everybody seemed to respect her pretty well. She was on top of everything. And, um, again, one of these characters that definitely had, a history and some baggage, you know, when she had a chance to, to talk about the, the past, it was, it was really interesting to hear like what she'd seen and where she'd been. Um, I like that. I like that, that these characters were so fleshed out that we were, we're just meeting. Yeah. So uh, just, uh, when Del Varner comes on board, you have to stop the video in order to get this. But when Del Varner comes on board, Takashima's name is on, his ID card. Hmm. Hmm. What did it? What did it say? It's it's her name. It's uh. It's down below Del Varner. So it's it's basically indicative. If you catch it, it's indicative that there may be something else going on here. So this relationship, who's in control of the ship? Who is the one who can make a decision as to whether or not a ship comes on board or a ship doesn't come on board? It's Takashima. Yeah. Now there's some twistedness here because Takashima is Jeff's friend and she seems to, I mean, she's the one who says, take the recorders with you when you go to this confrontation yeah. between you and, and the Mibari. Yeah. But this relationship that she has with Jakar, if you think about it, if you get deep into the details here, so we've got the bug ship that's trying to get onto Babylon 5. And before that bug ship came along, Jakar was very dismissive of Takashima, very explosive with her, and, and you know her talking back to him. And then afterwards, they have this kind of tete-a-tete where he's like, oh, no, I'll be happy to do... 
everything that needs to be done. But the that at that point the the changeling net had already gotten on board, hmm. so now they're they're friendly. So there's a weird kind of dynamic going on here where it's not clear who Laurel Takashima is and what role she's playing and what's going on. Interesting. I didn't think I didn't think anything other than she's just running running the ship. I didn't think it either um, yeah. until it was pointed out to me that her name was on on Del Varner's badge. Hmm. Then that kind of blew me away. Huh. Okay. Interesting. But we don't know what it means exactly, though, other than she approved his coming on board. Is that it? From what I can tell, so I, I'm, I'm going a little behind the scenes here. Um, according to Szczynski, there was supposed to be some sense that she is playing a role in um, causing Babylon 5 not to work. And at the same time, she's also a friend of of uh, the commander and may be doing this at some, at some sort of risk to herself. Like, you know, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to you or something. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like we, we don't know that the assassin is a um, Minbari until the end. So, right. and, and that guy's changing races throughout the, and changing faces throughout the show, throughout the episode. So we really don't know. Like, yeah, at the end, I don't know if it's just a faction within the Minbari or if there's, like, some other group. Like, we don't we don't know. So so that's interesting. I never even considered if there was anyone other than that one guy involved, but that makes sense. There is a thing about the Jakar ship, right? That at the yeah. beginning, that's, um, I mean, the Narn uh, ship that Jakar is like, no, 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 like, you need to let it pass. And they have that argument. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's how, that's how the changing that got on board, right? Through that ship. Yes. Was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Basically it was brought on by uh by the little bug ship that yeah. we see. Yeah. And then once it's on, Jakar is totally okay with uh, uh you can do whatever you want with my ship now. Don't worry about it. That's right, that's right. Okay. okay. I will I will humbly allow you to wait as long as and you can wait until after the ambassador meeting to to go ahead and uh and let them on board. That is that sufficient? And of course Takashima says yes. Are you watching every episode two or three times before we record these? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No, but I have watched every episode two or three times, and I'm I'm getting more detail this time around, and so it's exciting gotcha. because I'm uh, I'm getting more into the you know the the way that Straczynski worked the show, and I think the way he works his stories in total is that he always puts something in there so that if you watch it a second, third, fourth time you're always going to get something new out of it. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the beauty of it all. Um, so that's it's funny you say that because I did go back a few times. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. what just happened? And I did mm-hmm. go back and, wa- and rewatch a few things because, yeah, I wasn't sure if I saw something or if I understood exactly what had just happened. That's what good. were those times? Um, I think they, they had a lot to do with conversations. Okay. Um, especially like later on, I was like, huh, wait a minute. Did this, did this, what, what are they talking about? Oh, I think I remember one, one in particular was when Londo was talking to, um, Garibaldi about the, what had just happened in the hearing, mm-hmm. um, against Sinclair. And so that happened. And then afterwards you have this scene with Londo and Garibaldi talking and then Londo explains why he made the decision that he made. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We didn't have any of that information before. So I went back and watched the whole scene to kind of see it with the knowledge um, that Londo made that decision because he had already made a deal with Jakar. I was like, oh, oh, okay. So I went back. <laughs> that, that one I remember clearly. Because that was the one where he's explaining why he voted to uh, have Sinclair sent to the Vorlon homeworld. Yep. 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 Yeah. 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 He almost seems apologetic for his move, but he did what he had to do, he felt like. Yeah. 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 He's probably one of the most interesting characters of the story because uh, Londo Malari has this sort of like almost like washed up old politician feel to him. Mm-hmm. pining for the good old days, always looking for how we're going to bring our empire back into the fold, how we're going to look like we're the, the great hand of the universe again. Yeah. Um, and yet he has this, he has this deep heart and this, uh, 
amazing way of expressing himself. Some of my favorite quotes come from him. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that he, he's, you know, he's part of the Centauri government. What do you think of the Centauri? How do you think, uh, what do you think is their primary presence in, in the universe? Okay, so so this was this was strange in in, in watching the episode because you're there's like oh the major races are are represented, but then you only see at least I only remember seeing one Centauri, one Narn, and one Mimbari on the whole ship. <laughs> yeah, and they and and they're these ambassadors, and then you see all these other um, aliens. So it was it was strange for me to I guess uh, grasp the. Like any, like all you get from from these races is is their exposition about their relationships with each other and their their home worlds, right? So I'm only I'm judging this entire race of Centauri based on Londo, <laughs> and <laughs> right, and Londo's like he's he's like he's a gambler. He's like like you said, he's like this washed up politician in a way. But then from Jakar, we get that like the Centauri enslaved his people for a long time um it's like they seem i don't know they seem based on what i've seen so far there seems to be like like londo is just along for the ride like he's not taking everything very seriously even though he's on the council and all that seems like they had more power before than they do now and they don't like that all these people are um also um you know important uh, those are just like hints of things that that come across from from hearing him talk. But I was really curious. I was like, this, I'm I'm judging this entire race on this one guy. What's right? I want to see more of them. <laughs> yeah. Which and is he I doesn't mean, show up to the to the to the uh, the first the the meeting for Kosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like again it adds to the mystery of it all. Um, but. But I, I I kept thinking about that. I was like, okay, so I'm judging all of them in Bari based on the Len, all of the Narn on Jakar. It's like, hmm. I need, all of I the Vorlons based on Kosh, which you have very little idea of anything about Kosh right now. Yeah, just he has a a, a big light bulb in in inside. <laughs> <laughs> and and people who uh, apparently people who get close to him have some kind of experience of uh, at least a drawback. What do you mean? Uh, like they like they they come into contact with something where they feel like things have been I've seen some weird things, but this is the weirdest thing I've seen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Psychor. We meet Lita Alexander. She's our first Psychor agent that we see on Babylon five. Um she's the one that that's sitting down with Jakar when Jakar suggests the uh proposition that he uh, have some kind of genetic uh, code from her. So, so I love that you just said the first member of Psychor, which means that there were there that Psychor is a thing that's going to be on the show. <laughs> which means something. Spoiler that we're alert! See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because um, because it's like it's the first episode. It's like, oh, they're gonna. This is an this is an episode where a psychic is involved, and then we won't see a psychic again. But now. Thanks for that. Now I'm excited. Now I know <laughs> psychics are, are a thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I made note of that when when Jakara was like, yeah, listen, uh, the Narn, we don't have psychics. We're the only one of the major races that doesn't have one. A genetic oversight, he says. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's work something out, you know? Like, we can, we can mate. I've already talked to my partner. It's fine with her. You know? Yeah, there's no moral uh, obligations here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, the the one thing that we need to settle on is, you know, do you ra- would you rather be, you conscious, be conscious or unconscious? Or unconscious. <laughs> you know, I prefer conscious, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it was. Uh, I hope that that scene, like that conversation, um, or for me, I, I, it sets the tone for the type of show it is. I don't know if that's representative of the rest of the show, but it's definitely a conversation that surprised me and that I loved because. Uh, it's it's what I was saying before about this world world building aspect. That one conversation gave us so much information about the universe that we live in, where psychics are revered. They're they're powerful. They're important. Um, I think there was there was that scene where uh, the two businessmen are having a conversation. Yeah, and uh, one of them tells her, you know, if I ever find the the person who who made it. Um, 
you know, a requirement to have a psychic present during business dealings, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, so, so the psychics are, are everywhere. They're a part of society now and the Narner are left out, right? They, they, they want some of that too. But then just like the audacity <laughs> of him <laughs> to ask her in that way and her reaction to it, like the whole thing was, was just great. Like to me, if there was one scene in the entire um, pilot that really, uh, that I hope kind of represents what, what the series is like, it would be that one. Because like you see the cone of silence, the, the privacy invocation, you see um, that conversation between them, you see how important it is, you see that the... And, and it's taking um, a point of view of advancing his race through genetics, not just through technological means. That was, that was so cool. <laughs> I just had this realization that maybe there's sort of a Wizard of Oz thing going on here for all the different races. Like, they're all looking for something. Hmm. And so the Narn are, are looking for uh, being able to, to, to have... Uh, to have a seat at the table, basically, to be part of the universe as a whole, and they're the only ones without this psychic ability, and so let's fix that issue. Londo, yeah. in the meantime, is looking for regrowing his empire or trying to, you know, become a power in the galaxy again. Um, it's not clear so far what the Membari want. So the Membari are, are maybe, you know, outside of the Vorlons, are the most mystical... And I mean that in almost the, like the Zen sense, the most mystical of the races that we're we're meeting with. You know, even down to that moment where Delenn is sitting in the stone garden and she says, you know, this is a... She's, she's talking about the the uh, the presence of the, the rocks in the sand and the way that it ripples and it has an impact on everything. Yeah. I love, I love that quote. Um, you know, she said something like, we have thousands of books in on my world... Uh, explaining how to what was it that you said how the power of one mind mm -hmm. can change the universe can change the universe and none of them does it as well as as this, this garden. garden yeah yeah Oof, so good yeah, yeah man, which is a fantastic moment because she's she's talking about that and it's just a little bit after we've met del varner and we see these various things entering and i, I start to think okay we're really talking about this this stone garden is almost a representation of the episode as a whole because yeah. we just keep entering these new things that cause ripples throughout. And that for us as the watcher, we're getting those ripples on a regular basis. Like, oh, we're, we're learning new pieces of information and building our understanding of the world. So the Mimbari, and, and here's the other interesting thing. You, you gather from the episode that there was a war um, with the Mimbari. And uh, Sinclair was on the front line. And something happens, and he has this uh, blackout moment where he, he doesn't know anything else that happens, but he says they had us. They could have destroyed us all, and they surrendered. So the Minbari are obviously the most advanced, I mean, from, from what I can tell from this episode, they're the most advanced of all of the races. And they were fighting against Earth, and that, that is the biggest mystery. I think I think it's Jakar that tells Sinclair there's a hole in your head. Is that what I think? Well, those the, are the, words the first that he uses. time that he hears that, it, well, maybe the only time he hears that in the episode uh, is that moment where he meets the the guy that ha is wearing the changeling net. Oh, is he the one that tells him that there's a hole in your head? Just as, just before he dies, just before he switches his arm and and blows himself up, mm. he says there is a hole in your mind. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And he and, asked Delenn about this later on, and Delenn said, "This is just this is just some uh, Membari insult. It's nothing to worry about." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is obviously not true because then, after that, he explains, "Oh man, now I'm now I'm noticing that this happens a lot. Like you see something, and then they explain it afterward." You're right. You have to rewatch an episode to really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> because, really do. Yeah, because I think he's talking to Takashima, and he explains, or is it? No, it may have been the the woman he was with. Um, but he was explaining the the gap in time, right? The twenty four hours, like they were the Minbari could have won the battle, and then he blacked out, and then they did did they surrender? They, there was just a truce. I think there was a truce. Uh, after, the right? Minbari yeah. surrendered. Yeah, yeah, and so that's just so odd, right? That that is the biggest mystery um, for me, at least, from this episode. 
and I'm and like the Minbari, like again, they they seem really advanced, but then it was also the Minbari who tried to assassinate the Vorlon. Again, not necessarily representative of the entire um, species or of the government of the species, but but there's these are two very different Minbari. Um, and I mean, I was almost gonna say like, oh, Delenn seems so peaceful and she's so helpful, but she also like she she used that ring to to practically crush Jakar. So she's not. Um, she's not uh, uh mother Teresa, right she is no she's not this demure <laughs> um, little thing a warrior she's a, in her, in her. a very powerful person yeah yeah um just just so you catch it they when they talk about the assassin that was brought on board uh to kill kosh they pointed out that he was a member of the warrior cast mm, okay okay so that that that's an important distinction because now you've learned that there are various factions within the Membari climate. Which I would expect, and it's glad, it's good to know that's happening, you know, at the beginning. And do you remember why Delenn used the ring on Jakar? So Jakar wanted to um, create an alliance between the Jakar and the Membari against the Centauri and Earth, Right. Yeah, that was a part of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he brings up this idea called the Grey Council, and she puts the ring on as he's saying that. And she oh, said, you yeah. will never mention the Grey Council in front of me ever again. Okay, okay, okay. So I was I was really confused about that because all of the ambassadors are on a council, and I, and I guess they just referred to that as the council. But then, okay, so the Grey Council is something else. Yes, Clearly, it's something that's upsetting to Lynn so much that she's going to put him in three gravities, four gravities. Yeah. At six, your heart will explode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Okay, I'm going to add that to my list of mysteries because I was a little confused by that. I thought she was just, you know, insulted that he was... um, kind of offering to break apart the council or or all the the treaties that had been um, formed. But okay, the Gray Council now. All right, the Gray Council. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Notice that uh, that there is, uh, and you're going to notice this throughout the the episodes. But notice that there is some relationship between um, some of these pieces of information and uh, mythologies in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Okay. Um, think about, uh, yeah, the Great Council means something, and, and you'll kind of get okay. something as you go along. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. She did have a bunch of rings in that closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do the other rings do? <laughs> what does the blue one do? What does the green one do? <laughs> Maybe it's a matter of just going to, to the lens quarters and experimenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you put all of them on at once. I found the one that tests your pleasure threshold. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you put them all on at once? Oh, and they're rings. I just realized that. They're rings. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. They're that's all the, rings. That's the illusion. Yeah. You're, okay, that's what you're drawing <laughs> attention to. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and all of this is happening in a political climate. You know, what's going on is that uh, at back home is that uh, the Earth Alliance are electing a president. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luis Santiago, I think, was uh, uh Luis Santiago versus Marie. You know, you'd think I'd know her name after all these times. But it, it, there's a presidential oh, don't say things like Don't on. say things like that. Now I know that she's important, too. No, after all these times seeing this episode. Oh, this episode. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not a spoiler to say that this entire show is going to be about politics. Yes, I, I get I get that impression. Um, yeah, but that was that was interesting to see. You know, um, a a a female candidate and a Hispanic candidate for president of the world. Yes, you'd think that wouldn't be. You know, that would be just normal in twenty two fifty seven. I'm glad to see it. You don't have a real perspective on what the government looks like. Just that, just that they're in the midst of a vote is going on. Yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what are your, I, I feel like we've, oh, we, we haven't really talked about, um, 
Well, we, we've talked about all the major players. Are there any characters that you feel like we didn't give a shine to or we didn't talk about? No, I mean, based on this, right, your your main characters seem to be, you know, Sinclair, Garibaldi, um, Takashima, and and then Delen, Jakar, and uh, Londo. And uh, I think I think we've talked about them enough. Like yeah. we didn't talk a lot about Garibaldi, but like he's the security officer. He's he's loyal, you know, kind of you know has a checkered past that was alluded to, and but he seems like a good guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, he so seems far, like yeah. he and Jeffrey Sinclair have a really close relationship. Yeah, to the yeah. extent that he believes him no matter what. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like that he when he said like, listen, like I think I've I've I'm. I'm messing this up. Like, I don't even know what to, what to do next. You know? Yeah. He has some doubts about start. himself. Yeah. Yeah. So like, take me off and like put somebody else on. It's like, no, no, no. I trust you. You're, you're the one I trust most basically is what yeah. uh, Sinclair says. So that, yeah, that means we've got some kind of relationship between Garibaldi and, and Sinclair that has only been hinted at here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think they set the stage really well so far. Um, I mean, given I, the time they had, they did a really good job of world building, as you put it, yeah. and uh, of giving us some semblance, some little bit of information about every character on board and the way that they all interact with one another. Again, I don't feel that I know the characters themselves that well. I think that they spent a lot of time talking about the world at large. And so I feel like I know more about the Minbari than I do about the Lin. I feel like I know more about the Narn than I do about Jakar. And I guess not Londo. Londo is still like kind of a, a mystery to me. But we yeah. we still know from things that Jakar has said about about the Centauri, like I have a better understanding of them um, from that. So I think that they're, and I'm assuming that the, the intention of this was, you know, because they are basically the only ones representing these major races is that, that, that that's their purpose in this episode is to paint a, a picture of what the relationships are at large. Because even when Delen gives Sinclair that information on the Vorlon at the beginning, she's definitely, it doesn't seem like it's a personal favor. It as much as like, well, in a way, like it seems like she's going against her government, I guess, but I don't get the impression that she's doing it because she and Sinclair have a history. It's more like, I want to help earth, you know, it's not like I want to help you. Um, and, and there's a distinction there because they, they could have been like, you know, like, Oh, you, you know, you and I have this, you know, this great history. You're one of my best friends. So I want to do this for you. She made it seem like this is, this is important at a, at a, at a larger scale. Well, think about this. He was on the front line in the battle against them and he's sitting here next to her now. Mm hmm. And with very little animosity towards her, the only moment that, that there sort of comes this thing, you know, like he says, you know, a lot of people would kill both of us for this. Yeah. And that's when she said, you know everything about your stone garden, but you know very little about <laughs> what it means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. enigmatic enough as it is, but it, it, there's, there's clearly some, some dynamic going on between them uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense given the fact that he was ready to kill himself to save Earth against the Mimbari. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess really the point I was trying to make was I don't, like, I don't know. We know that he was on the front line, but where was the Len in all this, you know? Like, yeah. I, I, think, I think they're all just representing their races more than they are individually. Like, Jakar hates Londo as a Narn hating a Centauri, not as Jakar hating Londo is the impression that I get. Yeah. Like it could have been any Centauri. In yeah, front it, of him it looks like said the any same particular thing. prejudice between two races based on, you know, subjugation of their, their, their race. Yeah. 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 So I, I think, I think there wasn't a lot he could do, you know, in, in an hour and a half, you can't, the, what amazes me is how, how much he was able to pack into that hour and a half, even yeah. though, he had all this other stuff that he wanted to do. Yeah. Again, it was just world building and exposition mm -hmm. for 90 minutes. And, and it was, you know, lo looking back, we know that that it was successful enough 
for there to be a series afterward. Right. So, And he's trying to build the hook. Like, what's going to yeah. make people keep coming back to this universe again and again? Yeah. And he already I mean, had the plan I a for everything. I mean, he was expecting yeah. it all to happen. So Yeah, yeah. And I have uh, tons of questions, which is exactly what you would want to do in a situation like that. <laughs> yeah. Because you want, you want a sense of like, well, now what? Yeah. Now yeah. what's going to happen next? Yeah. No. I'm on board. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. I'm so glad you're joining me. So what are your takeaways from the episode? Like, do you, you know, I kind of said that part of the, the mission of our show is to underline the, the most important philosophical and psychological questions that come up. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's not a lot you can do in that first episode, but just first impression, what's your relationship with Babylon 5 right now? So I'll, I guess I'll repeat what I said earlier, which is the words history and mystery kept coming, yeah. coming to me. Like I, I got the feeling that it was, it's a very rich world with very complicated um, history, a lot of history with a lot of baggage. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And, and that was interesting to me. And I, I want to know more. I'm, I'm not sure that I care necessarily about any of these characters yet, but I do care about that history and that all of the mysteries are intriguing to me. And I kept thinking about them afterwards. So the the show has done a good job so far, right? In that that first episode. Yeah. Um, Babylon five has me uh, wanting to know more, a lot more. And not just, not just like the hole in your mind thing. That's a very specific situation. But I really want to get into the, the broader relationships. And, and there's a very particular point in time where, like, obviously, there were these wars that are alluded to. And now we're in a time of peace. And it seems like everything is very fragile. And it's going to be, it's, a, it's like, you know, it's a balancing act that's happening. And that that appeals to me. And it's funny. Um, I, I thought that the, well, I, I think it does a great job in that it's not, I'm not obsessing about the technology or the different ideas about the show. I mm-hmm. think I'm, I'm really interested in the relationships between the different races and species because, and like I said, that conversation between Jakar and the psychic that's like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. I, th- I I'm loving this because there there's a very um, personal um, element in, in 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 what he's saying. You know, like I want my people to be better. I want my people to um, be on unequal footing with these other races, and we're not. And I need you. But then the way he goes about it is very in a way very alien you know yeah and they're talking about these things like you know like cross species mating for the hope of getting some sort of psychic ability from it like i'm on board i'm 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 so interested in in what is going on and and that's where i'm at right now with with babylon excellent yeah. Well, my, my uh, you know, I'm coming back to this maybe fourth, possibly fifth time. I can't remember. I, I think I make this a, a regular practice every three to four years to go back through Babylon 5. But what I was struck with was that this mirrors our own reality so much right now. Um, you know, the reason that Babylon 5 is a good comeback right now is because we're in the midst of a lot of political intrigue in our own world. And I don't have to get into talking about what's going on real world right now just to say that we have a number of positions that are in play that uh, put us at odds with one another. And we see that, in a sense, in all these different cultures on the Babylon 5 station. But it, it's, it's more taken from the fact that our culture all has these different perspectives and we're all dealing with all these different problems, you know, when we talk about living with immigrants, we're, that's basically what they're talking about on Babylon 5. They're talking about putting a bunch of people from different places together and trying to work out the peace, whatever that might mean. Um, so it, it really drives home to me the idea that we need to pay attention to how other people are in the world and how people interact with one another and also our own biases, uh, 
trying to keep up with those and, and not let those biases impact our ability to make good decisions. You just made me think about, you know, looking at it from, from perspective of things that are going on now in the news we recently heard, um, again, whether it's true or not, that supposedly there are conversations within um, the United States government about things that have been done for a very long time in an effort to keep the peace in the world. Like, the word, you know, the phrase, we do this to avoid World War Three mm-hmm. has been has been spoken in the news. And all of those things, I think it, that's kind of what I'm describing, what I tried to describe before when I said, like, it, it seems like Babylon 5 is in is doing a balancing act right now, where there are a lot of things that are, that are at play. And like that's scary um, in our world, right? And I I didn't think of it as um, as frightening when I was watching the show. I was thinking of it more as interesting. But maybe maybe that's where my mind is now. Like thinking about how how that's a very delicate thing that's happening with all of these different groups of people trying to supposedly manage peace, right? Or these treaties. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering what it would be like to have our own Babylon station now. You know, would it be would it be that we have, uh, uh, you know, uh, United States diplomats and Russian diplomats and North Korean diplomats and uh, South American diplomats all on the same ship together? And the idea is throwing everybody in together in the same room and making them work together is somehow going to make things better for everybody else? Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, we... It's the I, real I, world, only it's the real world. <laughs> I think I think it's funny... In so much sci-fi, people allude to the old United Nations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, it's almost how we now talk about the League of Nations, right? Which is before, but that didn't work. So now we have the United Nations. And I feel like in a lot of sci-fi, there's always talk about like, oh yeah, well, it's like the old United Nations, but now we do it better. Or now it's different because we have all these other things going on. Or we, you know, or there's different uh, aspects to it. I don't know. Yeah, it always seems like we're trying to lead up some kind of ideal of uh, consolidating government into one thing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, hopefully making putting people on the same page, however that looks. And I, I don't even know how that looks. But every yeah. every sci-fi show that I know of has its own version of that. You yeah. know, whether it's Expanse, Star Trek, or, or Babylon 5. I mean, these are the ones that are on my mind right now, obviously. Um, it's the only way to coexist. Yeah. Um, it's either, well, it's either at war or, you know, in some sort of... Um, ceasefire i guess i guess we're always at war (laughs) right maybe so yeah yeah so excellent uh the gathering is you know this is this is the start of things and so i i love the fact that it's brought up mystery and history for you and and made it it's tantalized you enough to say hey i do want to go out there and see what else is there to be offered and um i promise you that the payoff on a lot of your questions, <laughs> some of it will come and some of it won't come. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the beauty of it because uh, you're constantly being asked to question what you're seeing. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm, j- I'm just like, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm excited to see this with you. Yeah, and um, I am surprised that you kept saying like, oh, you know, we don't, I don't really think there's enough in the gathering for one episode. And, and I have so many notes on this episode. There was so much going on. <laughs> and, and in part because of, um, there's just so much exposition, you know, there's so much, um, uh, the foundation is being laid for, for so much that's going to come after. So I'm glad we, we, you know, took a whole episode to, to talk about it. Me too. I, I think for a long time, I, uh, Susie and I, for a long time, have kind of said, oh, that first episode's a little bit wooden, a little bit hard to follow. But watching it this time around, it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, there were a few <laughs> things that I might have done differently, but I felt really connected to it, and I felt really driven by the story. Cool. So I'm glad I came back to it and didn't just say, we're going to flip that episode and go to episode one. Yeah. Because there's so much here that needs to be explained in order to get into the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, can't wait for the next episode. Me either. (laughs) Onward and upward. (laughs) All right, so we'll call it here, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can come over to our forum page on Geek Therapy, 
and you can talk to us about this episode, your insights, your input. Uh, and uh, we'd love to have a discussion with you. Very excited. I hope I'm evangelizing. <laughs> <laughs> Be a member of the Babylon 5 church. This is the way to go. All right. Thanks, Josue. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Woody. <laughs>